0: Hey, church, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to be able to share with you. Um, first off, let me just acknowledge the fact that we have the technology to do this. We're blessed um, to be able to stay connected. And um, before I go too far in um, sharing with you today, I have to say I'm in a, um, a unique mood um, today. I don't know if it's because I've been quarantined for so long. Um, and when that happens, I tend to laugh a lot. But I really believe that God gave me a word for us as a spiritual family um, and let me begin by saying this: I believe we live we are living in a special time, a special time, and I believe it's we 're living in a, a time of opportunity as believers, a time of opportunity, and I believe more than anything else that in this season, God can shape us and he can refine us in ways um, that he couldn 't in previous seasons, not that God is unable to, but there 's something that happens in seasons of pressure and I want to before I go into the word we 're going to dig into the Word of God today, and before I do that, I want to just share with you two wor- about uh, I want to talk about two words that i 've been hearing um, through social media on the news. Um, on TV, and, and I just want to address these two things because I want us to approach them differently because I know this, that what you feed will grow. What you feed will grow. So if you feed your faith, your faith will increase. If you feed your fear, your fear will increase. And, and so I want you to be people who feed your faith, and I want your faith to increase. And one of the words that I hear all the time on the news, social media, is a, this word, Difficult. Difficult. We're living in difficult seasons, and, and that's true. This is a season for many of us that is difficult. It, it, is, a, it is a difficult time financially, um, maybe with your health, maybe, maybe emotionally, the social anxiety and, and the different things that are going on. We're all in, from, for the most part, we are in uncharted territory. But I want us to look at this differently. I want us to look at it through the lens of faith not through the lens of fear. So we're living in a difficult season. Well, I want, to, I want you to know something, that God is still present in difficult seasons. He doesn't abandon us in difficult seasons. He's present with us. And I've learned something. The longer I live, this is the one principle that I see continued in my life. It's I, I learn more in difficult seasons I grow more in difficult seasons. God challenges me more in difficult seasons. God produces something in me, develops something in me that I believe has only happened in difficult seasons. So what does that mean? It means that I'm not going to curse difficult seasons. Why? Because I know what they yield in my life. And so wherever you are in in this journey, there's two ways to look at this. Some of us are cursing this season. We are frustrated with this season. I want you to know something. God's in that season with you. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves that God's promise never leave us nor forsake us. Diamonds are formed under pressure. And God forms something in us when we're surrounded with pressure. So look, every time you hear that word difficult, you can acknowledge it. But don't be led by it. Be led by the Lord the second word is isolation um and i wanted to talk about that word because one of the things many of you know this i was i'm part of a large family i'm one of eight children and and uh Every child had a different form of punishment growing up. And some of them, you know, if my father yelled at one of the children, they would, you know, apologize quickly, and, and that was it. And some children needed to be disciplined. We had a paddle, so some of us would get spanked. And I know today you're like, "Oh, that's terrible. No, we needed it, trust me. And, um, and some of us needed that. But for me, my greatest form of punishment was isolation. Isolation. And everyone had their different form. But for me, if my mom said, go to your room, and she would lock the door, I would, I would lose my mind. I lose my mind. Why? Because I, 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 I'm fueled, I'm energized, I'm filled up when I'm around people. And when I'm isolated away from people, I'm just, I just, you know, I feel like I'm dying. I don't know what to do. I feel like a fish out of water. And, and if you go to Genesis chapter 2, when God created man, it says, he says, this is not good that man shall be alone. And so God calls us not to be alone, to be in community, and not just in physical community, but to be in spiritual community. That's why one of our core values is better together, because we believe that we're better together, spiritually unified, and even in relationship, doing life together. But then there's another thing I learned about this. When I was little, I'll never forget this. Um, I remember at soul school, growing up, uh, in elementary school, we would go out for recess, and and back then, we had, like, the today, it's like every piece of equipment on the playground is so, it's just too safe. You can't have fun. Like, I remember the days where the swings were so long. You could, you could swing so high, you'd go over the top bar. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they were intense. The monkey bars were so high, and if you fell, you'd break your leg. That was, like, real fun. And, and I remember one day um, getting in trouble, and my, my punishment was isolation. My punishment was isolation. They gave me time out. And some of you do this with your children. You say, that's it, you're done, time out. And what do you do? You, you isolate them, you take them from the group, and you put them by themselves. You put them by themselves. And I remember when I got in trouble on, on, at recess, uh, the, 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 re- the, the aide there said, that's it, you're, you're in time out, get against the wall. And we had to stand with our backs against the wall. But we couldn't even talk. So if someone came up to us and and they saw us talking, we would even get in greater trouble. So you were against the wall, you couldn't talk, and you couldn't do anything during recess. That was a punishment. And one of the things I find fascinating about how God deals with us and develops us is when you're in isolation, it's, it's often seen as a punishment. But when you grow in your knowledge of God and you mature in life, Sometimes isolation is the very thing you need to gain clarity in where you're going and what you're doing. Sometimes your whys in life are refined when you're by yourself. When no one else is around, when it's just you and God, it's in those moments, it's in those quiet times that God seems to speak the loudest. The Bible says, be still and know that He is God. And sometimes it's in those quiet times of being alone that are net, those, those moments are so necessary for us. Some of you, are you're, you're, you're listening and you're like, yeah, but I'm busy. I'm busy. Can I tell you something that I've learned about myself? Um, busyness can often be the cover-up um, of insecurities that you're unwilling to face. Busyness can sometimes be a cover-up of insecurity of you not wanting to learn a new skill. Or are you not facing the real issue? I've talked to people a lot, and, and whether it's with health and fitness, or whether it's through education, or whether it's through emotional development, whatever it be, when people use busyness as the excuse, sometimes it's because they're fearful of just being alone. Because when you're alone, you have to deal th- with things that otherwise you wouldn't have to deal with. What am I saying? I'm saying that some of you have been set up in this situation to be alone. And it feels painful. And it's difficult. But it's only a moment. But it's in those moments that God can bring clarity. And he can bring into focus the things that you need to deal with. And the things that you need to work on. Those two words. Difficult and isolation. I've learned this before I move from that word. I wrote this down. I want to read it to you. I've learned in my life personally. That God replenishes spiritual wells in my soul when I'm alone with Him. And they will not be filled up when I'm gathered together with other people. I need to be still and be alone with God. Sometime, isolation should be embraced and it should not be cursed. I want to talk about this verse in Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, maybe you're still in your pajamas. I don't know what you're doing, where you're at. But if you have a Bible around you, grab your Bible. And we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Many of you um, might be familiar with this passage or this text. um, But I want you to listen to it with um, uh, fresh ears as we go through this. I'm going to read the entire text. um, And then we're going to go back And we're going to recap what we just read. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. And we're reading in the New Living Translation. This is what Paul writes to the church. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice or be joyful. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Then he says this, remember the Lord is coming soon, or other translations would say that the Lord is near. And then he says this don't worry about anything, instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds, other translations say, it transcends anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's a good verse, isn't it? You read through it, and it's, at the end of it, you just feel better just after you read it. But I want you to move beyond just hearing the words, and I want you to feed upon them, and I want you to experience that peace that transcends or surpasses our understanding. As you noticed, reading through that, Paul uses an incredible amount of absolutes. And I I, I was going through it and I underlined a ton of them. He says, always, all, everything, all, again, anything. And he continues over, let everyone, uses these absolutes or these extremes. And I realized something, that Paul's writing from a place. He's writing from a place physically in prison, but he's not just writing from a, a physical place, he's writing from, a spiritual one. And one of the things I realized in my journey with God is that you can live with and you fill in the blank. And this is the cool thing about God. This is what I love about God. He doesn't, he doesn't force you to be a companion with anyone. He allows you to choose. And some of you have chosen the spiritual or the, or, or the, the spiritual companion of fear. And others have chosen the companion of worry or social anxiety or, or health concerns. Some of you have chosen anger or frustration. Um, others have chosen disappointment. Now, this is what I need you to know. No one forces you to choose that. And then listen to me right now. I, 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 just, I want you to hear this because it's so important. Paul is living with someone. Spiritually, he's living with someone because whom he lives with, it's evident in how he speaks because what's within you comes out of you. And so Paul's living with someone. And I want you to get this because some of us think that you can live in a circumstance but not live with it. Does that make sense? You can live in a circumstance but not live with the circumstance. You choose what you live with. And so I've learned this in my life that, that I, God freely allows me to choose what I live with. What I live with. And one of the things that, that I need to remind you of if you're a child of God, you are not a child of circumstance. Meaning circumstance is not the companion that God called you to live with. He called you to live with faith. And actually, when we read through this text, there's something so evident. Paul's companion is Jesus. His companion is Jesus. The whole of Christianity is built upon our relationship with the Father through Christ. And then the Spirit of God fills us when we step into a personal relationship with Jesus. If you notice at the very beginning of this, it says that he, he, he states this to us, that we are to always be full. When you're full of something, <laughs> people know. When you're full of something people know because it comes out of you that which is within you comes out of you paul's companion in this is not a circumstance because if you read this you and you didn't know where paul was physically you you would assume that he's he's living in a five-star hotel right now that's not his physical circumstance but a spiritual place he's living with jesus He's living with the Lord. And it's evident in how he communicates. And the reason I'm I'm, I'm sharing that with you is because if you read that, you don't think it's possible. And the reason some of you don't think it's possible is because every partnership produces something. Every partnership produces something. And the reason Paul is speaking this way is because his partnership gives him power, not weakness. His partnership enables him to do that which he's commanding us to do. But some of us, when we read that, and I have to be honest, when I used to read that passage, I used to get frustrated. I used to be like, always? How about 99.9% of the time, give me just one out so I can lose my mind when something bad is happening. I can just say, oh, I can't believe it. No, Paul says, always be full of joy. The only way I can always be that is if I'm always living with Someone that enables me to do that. And so we need to make sure that, and, and some of you, you just, you need to take inventory of who you're living with, you spiritually. What you're allowing yourself to attach itself to. Don't allow your spirit to attach itself to fear or worry or anxiety or doubt. We are people of faith, not people of circumstance. We're people of faith. And what you attach yourself to, it will produce something. Some things that that is it's important for you to, to understand this. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 that you and I will produce something when we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father and we surrender our life to Jesus and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That partnership, that, that living with relationship with the Holy Spirit will produce something in your life. It, you, you, can't, you can't manufacture these with a different companion. You can't manufacture this fruit by living with fear. A lot of Christians try to produce this fruit, but they live based upon fear and circumstance and not faith. But the Bible says that but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, and he produces it in our lives because we're living with him. And when you live and abide in him you'll get to experience the fruit that only he can give. And so what does it say in Galatians? It says that we will bear this type of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all of those things. And if we go back to this passage of Scripture, there's one thing that he says in the next verse that I want to draw your attention to, and this is what he says. He says, let everyone see, let everyone see That you are considerate in all that you do. Other translations say it this way. They say, let all... It says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Other translations say, let your gentleness be evident to all. So here is, one translation is using everyone. The other one's using all... But they're both extremes or exhaustive, saying not just a few people, not just the people that you want to think you're a Christian, but when you go home pretending to be somebody, when you go home around the people you love the most, that you're the same with them as the same you were with the people that you worked with. And he's saying this be seen, be seen. (laughs) Do you know what this is crazy? When you're going through difficult seasons, the last thing you want to be is seen. And he's saying be seen. Not just by some people, by everyone. Be seen by all. And why is he saying that? Because he's assuming that you're living with the Spirit of God. And if you're living empowered by the Spirit of God, it will produce something that other people need to see. They need to see it. See, some of us, the reason this, this reads strange is because if you live with fear, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but if you choose to attach yourself to things, it's a choice. God allows you. Some of you are like, I have no choice. Yes, you do. You may not choose the circumstance, but you choose what you live with the spirit that you attach to. Paul would say it this way, that you take captive every thought that holds itself up against the word of God. And oftentimes, we need to be aware of what is not written in the word so that when we are attacked in our minds, we can say, that is not what the word of God says. This is what the word of God says, and this is who I am. And we fight the spiritual battle of what we live with, which, which enables us to live out. So Paul says be seen. Be seen. I have to tell you, like, you know, right before I got here, uh, I had to um, get all the kids together, and they were, you know, running crazy, and I had to get them in the bath, and, and it is like one of those moments where, like, you do not want people to capture your weak moments as a parent, you're like, you know, you want people to think that you got control and you know what's going on and you got it covered. And it is just absolute chaos. And I'm just thinking like, what? And I'm screaming, I'm sweating, I'm yelling. And I'm like, what? I don't want to be seen when I'm not at my best. But Paul's saying here, no, 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 no. Let everyone see. Let everyone see. What does he want them to see? Let them see your gentleness. Let them see that you have consideration of everyone. That you're not selfish and that you're gentle, calm. (laughs) Again, how do we live like that? It's only produced by who we partner ourselves with or who we're living with. And then he says this. He not only uses this word see, which actually draws its attention back to the verse we talked about last week, Matthew 4. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, when Jesus commands to the people and he says, no, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. He says, you're the light, meaning you should be seen by people. You should be seen. And not only that, he explains you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It prevents decay. You are the salt. You prevent spiritual decay from happening in your environment and the atmosphere in which you live. That's why you need to be seen. Some of us think that it's in the difficult seasons we need to hide. And the scripture says here, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. And then he uses this word. Listen to this word. Remember, the Lord is coming. Other translations say, remember, the Lord is near. The Lord is present. He's present. That's how Paul's talking this way. That's why he's reiterating what he's reiterating. He's not saying, oh, I wonder I wonder, is, is God present? Is he here? No, remember, the Lord is near. The Lord is coming. He's present. He's with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He's here. He's in the midst of the difficult, isolated, pressure season. He's present. He's present. But I love what he says. This. He doesn't say, he doesn't say forget. He says remember. He says remember. Faith requires recall. It always does. Faith requires recall. It requires you to remember God's faithfulness. I don't care where you pick up the Bible. You could pick it up at Genesis all the way to, to the end of Revelation. And you'll see throughout the entire um, Bible, God is commanding people to do certain things. Why? So people remember. Our faith requires us to remember what? It requires us to remember how faithful God has been. And when you recall, it increases your faith. It increases your faith. What does fear do? Fear causes you to forget. Most specifically, it causes you to forget how faithful God has been. And when you forget how faithful God has been, fear attaches itself to you. Worry attaches itself to you. Lack attacks, attacks you and attaches itself to you. And then you begin to forget All that God has done in your past. Remember, Paul says, be seen. And he says, remember, the Lord is coming, or rather, the Lord is near. And then he continues in verse six, and this is what this is. What I, I love about what he says in verse six, he says, don't worry about anything. Some of you really struggle when I say that. This, it's not me. Some of you just got angry at me for saying that. You're like, well, you don't know. This is a global pandemic. Well, here's Paul's word for you from the word of God. Do not worry. Actually, he doesn't say that. He says, don't worry in this trans- translation. Don't worry about anything. Some of you, that just doesn't sit well with you. You're frustrated by the word of God saying that. He says, don't worry about anything. Anything. And some of you are like, yeah, but my 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 401k, my retirement, this and that, my health, my family, this and that, my job, all these things. The Bible says don't worry. Why? Because if you're attached to God and you know who He is in your life, you'll know that He's your provider, He's your healer, He's your source of provision in all things. And this is where Paul's speaking from. He's speaking from having that intimate proximity relationship with God. And he's saying, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Some of you, uh, I said, this is how I train myself to think about it, is he saying, worry should be replaced with something. It needs to be, because the people that say they can't stop worrying, the reason you can't stop worrying is because you haven't started praying. You can't have one or the other. The only way you'll stop worrying is if you start praying, and you won't stop worrying unless you start praying, so some of you need to start praying And stop trying to stop worrying because the only way that you're going to stop worrying is if you start praying. Did I confuse you? I was trying to. But you need to start praying. When you start praying, worry will decrease. Worry will decrease. And as he continues on from the next verse, he says this. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. And thank him for all that he has done. Let God know what you need. This is what he says. And some of you need to you need to capture this, this thought. God, an infinite God, a finite God, infinite God. It's telling finite beings. He's telling us, he's saying this. He's saying, tell me what you need. But he already knows what we need. But he's saying, tell us. And I don't know, it's just the way that I, I perceive this. I think there's a presence of, he's asking us to humble ourselves and reveal our need to him. Some of you are like you're struggling with, with anxiety and stress and he's saying, tell me what you need. And You're like, you, you, you know what I need and he says, tell me. Make your petitions known. Reveal what you need. And I suppose if wherever you are today, if you're, if you're trying to write them out and you're like, okay, what do I need? And you're writing this and like, I need health. I need to deal with this social anxiety. I need to deal with the stress. I need to deal with frustration, with this anger. I want to deal with this virus. I don't, want to, I don't want everything back to normal. I don't want to deal with this difficult season, the pressure, all this stuff. And you're making your list, whatever it is. No matter how long that list is, compare that list to the second list that Paul essentially describes us to write when he says then thank him for all that he has done, for everything, not some, not just today, not just last week, but in your life, thank him for all that he has done. I remember the first time I I was um, required in my spiritual formation course that I took in college, and, and our professor said, I want you to go outside and I want you to pray for two hours alone with God. And I remember thinking like, that's impossible. You know? <laughs> like like I, I could not just imagine, I was getting nervous just thinking I have to sit for two hours by myself I don't know what to do. And it's like the first two minutes I'm sitting down and like a bird flew by the window. I was like, oh, you know. And, but, but I did it, I did it. And it was in those, those, those moments of being alone and being intentional with God that I started to get to a place of just thankfulness. And I found this, this, this inexhaustible expression of my gratitude to God. Hey God, I thank you that I'm healthy. I thank you that I have family. I thank you that I have people that care for me, that love me, that I'm in school, that I have clothes to wear, that I have food to eat, that I have a bed to sleep in, that I have a nation that, that is, allows me to worship you with freedom and liberty and all these things. And I began to realize that, that my thanking list far exceeded my request to him. And what does it do? It enables you to recall. God's faithfulness and his goodness to you. And when you do that and you recognize who God is in your life, it builds your faith. It builds your faith. It builds your faith. And what does a build-up faith do? It enables you to be strengthened when you see adversity that's before you. It enables you to see it with confidence. And you can look at circumstances, even like the one that we're in right now, and not be overwhelmed and not live with fear and not live with anxiety. But let me remind you, I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you, you've been a believer. Whatever you feed will grow in this season. Whatever you feed will grow. And so if you're obsessed with watching the news, if you're obsessed with watching different people's opinions in social media, whatever platforms you get your news from on the Internet, um, I just want you to know if that's the only thing you are and that's the only thing that's going to grow and you're going to be filled with fear and you're going to be frustrated, make sure that you're in the Word more than you are hearing the opinions of other people this word continues and this is what he says tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done and I I want you to know that in the scriptures there are portions where it tells you an if then statements and it says if you do these things then this will happen and sometimes we read the the, the latter statement without reading the former statement, and we're frustrated because we're not receiving the latter statement, but it's an if-then. If you do these things, then you will receive these things. I'm in my Bible reading plan, and I'm going through Joshua and Judges, and as God was blessing the nations of Israel, or the nation of Israel, He was, he was giving them territory, giving them land, but time and time again, this is what God would say, if you do this... I will, and he would say all these things. But he says, if you turn from me and disobey me and serve these other gods, then this will happen. And he lists all these things. And God's faithful, and he's just, and he's true to his word. And so in the text right here, we see that exact thing. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all that he has done then, It's a powerful word in this. Then you will, not might. This is what I love about God. Then you will experience God's peace. You will experience God's peace. And I love this. I think it was in John John chapter, what is it? I have it written down. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus is talking to the crowd and he says, I'm leaving you with the disciples. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. And he says, the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And here Paul reiterates, he says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand or anything we can comprehend. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. One of the things that I love about God is He doesn't ask our permission um, in writing the story of humanity. He is the author of it, and He doesn't need our permission to write it. But remind yourself that don't write the end of your story before it's even there. Allow God to do that, because God can turn difficult situations around so fast in our lives. And if we place our hope and our trust in Him, as I was reading through this series of scriptures I came across this passage in Matthew and I suppose it's just unique because it's it's just unexpected and I want some of you to know that God works in unexpected ways and he doesn't work in ordinary ways and I think this is an opportunity moment for us as believers for us as the church I really do I believe that this is in a season that we should curse and we should be 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 negative about. I believe that in this season, we should say, God, what are you trying to say to us? What are you trying to teach us? What are you trying to show us in this season? And it's just unexpected like God. God works in unexpected ways. And in Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus walks on the water, in verse 14, 25, it says this, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them when the disciples were on the water and all the waves started to The heavy waves started to pour over the the boat. It says at 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. It's just like him. He comes at an awkward time, at an unexpected time, and in an unexpected way. It's the way that our God works. He comes at 3 in the morning, and he comes walking on the water. I just need some of you to know this. When you look at this situation and you don't know how you can solve it, just know this. Find peace in this. You're not expected to figure out a solution to it. You're expected to place your hope and your trust in Jesus. We're people of faith. And every time I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4, it says we, we walk by faith or we live by faith, not by sight. And I'm reminded that I can live by what I see. But if I choose to live by what I see, then I'm choosing not to live by faith. And you have the choice. You can choose to live by what you see, or you can choose to live by what you believe in the Word of God. I want you to leave today encouraged with hope. And I want you to know that regardless of where you are in this season of life, that God is still present. He is still seated. Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the Father. He's still in control. The Holy Spirit still empowers the believers today and enables us to live with not only the fruits of the Spirit, but it enables us to live with faith and strength in difficult times such as this. We're called to be seen, to be the light of the world. And I want to pray for you before we go today because I know that all of us, like I said, may find ourselves in difficult seasons. But this is what I want us to do as people of faith, I want us to speak to difficulty. I want us to speak to circumstance and remind it we do not serve you. We serve God, and we're people of faith. And even though chaos may be wrapped around us, we choose not to live with fear and not to live with worry, but to live with the Holy Spirit. So wherever you are, let me, let me pray for you. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let me pray for you wherever you find yourself today. Maybe um, today is the first time that you had an opportunity to hear about Jesus and to hear about the hope and the freedom and the joy that comes in having Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. We don't ever like to end a, a broadcast or end a service without giving people an opportunity to connect with Jesus and to make Him their Lord and Savior. And so wherever you find yourself, maybe you're like today, man, I need to place Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. And I don't know what you've heard in the past. Let me tell you what the Word of God says. This is what it says. Salvation, it can't be purchased and it can't be earned. It's a gift freely given and it's freely received. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Sin separates us from God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says. None are righteous, none are perfect, not one. But God sent Jesus to redeem us and to save us. And so right where you are, you can receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And I would love to lead you in this simple prayer. It's simple, but it's significant. So just repeat this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father... I received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe that he died on the cross and that he was raised to life. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you said that prayer, I'm excited for you. I'm actually overwhelmed for you. Um, I'm excited because the Bible says that the old things have gone and the new things have come. That your your real life has just begun right now when you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible actually describes this experience as you being born again. Not being reborn physically, but being being reborn spiritually. And we would love to celebrate with you. So if you made this decision for the first time and, and, uh, and you haven't told anyone, we'd love to reach out to you. Right below this video, you'll see a button that says, I made a decision. And we'd love for you to click that button, fill out the information. We'd love to send you a Bible, to pray with you, to encourage you, to help you find a church of your own. Maybe to call True North Church your home church or some church close to you that you can be planted in. And maybe you're part of True North. This is your home and, and you're not certain what's next. Click the link below and find out what your next step is. Listen, we all have a next step in our journey with Jesus. And make sure that you continually move towards him. Draw closer to, towards him. Because as we draw near him, he draws near to us. But before we finish, let me pray a final prayer of blessing over everyone Today, Father, I thank you that you have us in the palm of your hand. God, I thank you regardless of what's happening around us. What is happening within us is filled with peace and comfort and joy. And Father, may we not allow our words to prophesy negativity and fear and worry before us. May we be people that... Tame our tongue and understand that within it holds a power of life and death. And may we speak hope. May we speak prosperity. May we speak healing. May we speak faith over fear in all that we do. Father, I thank you that your word says no weapon formed against us will prosper. That greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Father, I thank you for all that you're doing in and through the local church right here at True North Church. Father, bless your people this week. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.